This week is Mental Health Awareness Week 2021. I joined Ian Dale on his LBC show on Monday nights to talk all things mental health and to take some calls from the lovely listeners. Um, We spoke about Mental Health Awareness Week, the nature theme that is this year, and we took some calls on anxiety, on grief, on alcohol and drug problems, and we thought it would be quite um important to put this out as a bonus episode of the state of mind with richard sefton podcast so here it is and i hope you enjoy this is lbc from global leading britain's conversation with ian dale Hello, a very good evening. It's three minutes past nine on LBC. When I look back on my 11 years on LBC, I think some of the most powerful phone-ins that I've ever done have been on issues to do with mental health, whether it's uh, suicide, whether it's depression, all sorts of different issues. And it's because everyone has got a story to tell. And sometimes they tell it for the first time. And it's always been a real privilege to host phone-ins on mental health because it it, it is so personal. Uh, And I've lost count of the number of times people have said, well, I'm telling you this, Ian, on national radio, and I've never told anyone else. I've never told my family. I've never told my friends. Uh, And I must admit, before I started working here, I'd never really given a lot of thought to mental health. Um, It's not something that I've ever been affected by, but it, it, it... has increasingly grown to fascinate me. And one of the podcasts that I listen to is uh, called State of Mind, um, hosted by Richard Sefton. And um, Richard is a mental health counsellor, and he talks to people, quite, some, some people quite well, and he's actually interviewed me on his podcast about um, their own mental health, their own lives, their careers, and, and how their mental health has been impacted. And it, it, it is fascinating that even supposedly very successful people, people who we would all think of as having a successful life, also have mental health issues. I think that the natural thing is to imagine that you only have you only suffer from depression if you if your life isn't going well, if you've got difficulties in your relationship or maybe you've got difficulties at work. But it's not like that. The most successful people, the most, the richest people you can imagine also suffer from uh, mental health issues. And this week is, well, today marks the start of Mental Health Awareness Week. So I thought it'd be a really good idea to talk about your mental health over the course of the next hour, the issues that you are concerned about um, uh, and what you think Mental Health Awareness Week should entail. Which aspects of mental health do you think maybe don't get the attention that they deserve? 0345 6060 973. Very happy to hear from you if you've got uh, a mental health issue that you'd like to talk to Richard about as well. Um, And he joins me on the line now. Richard, very good evening. Good evening. Now, you uh, also work for MIND, but you're a mental health counsellor too. What what does Mental Health Awareness Awareness Week mean for you? For me, it's just, um, I think we need, uh, sadly, we need excuses to get out there and talk about it and listen and, you know, um, go into it with people, especially it seems a lot of men who don't feel comfortable with talking about their mental health. And I know that may sound sexist, but um, it seems to be, uh, well, it's across the society, really, but a lot of men don't feel comfortable talking about their mental health. It's not a manly enough subject maybe with some people um and i think we just need to be a bit more aware of 
you know, at some point in our life, all of us or most of us will suffer with our mental health and just being sort of accepting of that fact and almost welcoming it, welcoming it. And the thing is that I think the statistics, I can never say that word, statistics show that you're right, that most people at some point in their life will suffer some sort of depressive episode. And look, very few people sail through their lives and enjoy every moment, are successful in everything, have brilliant relationships, have brilliant jobs. There are always points where maybe we're surprised when somebody maybe close to us dies. We've never experienced it before. Why should we know? how to cope with it well we don't and it, it's quite a british thing as well our attitude towards towards death and grief seems to be quite different to a lot of places in the world where they maybe celebrate the death uh, you know the, the the festival in mexico and stuff like that and it, it, so it, it we always feel like you say uh, when we suffer grief and it's somebody close to us um, and the first time it, it's happened, we're not prepared for that. We don't talk about that. We don't talk about um, it, 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 it's in crass to, to talk about the end of life and funerals and and what do you want to happen here and, and, and things like that. Maybe we should a little bit more. Maybe we should, like I say, embrace these things because we know that they're going to happen. Do you think that over the last five to ten years, companies and public sector organisations have taken mental health much more seriously um, and that they actually have... Uh, company policies on it, which would have been unthinkable 10 years ago, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it's moving in the right direction. Um, there is less stigma. There's still a stigma. Um, and in fact, one of the reasons that I started the podcast is because I wanted to to work towards ending that stigma, to just talk to people. Um, I, I, I just believe that talking, no matter what sort of capacity that talk is, deep and meaningful conversations like I had with you on the podcast are completely different to other conversations that I've had on the podcast. But my ethos is that any conversation, get out there talking, even if you're talking to yourself. Yeah, I should point out, you made me cry three times in that podcast. <laughs> I hope you're not you going to do really that are. to our listeners over the next 50 minutes. <laughs> I hope <or> so. not. <laughs> but look, if you'd like to have a chat with Richard, um, I mean, about the general subject of mental health, or if you've got um, a situation that you'd like to talk to him about, uh, do feel free, 0345 6060 Politicians always talk about giving parity of esteem to mental health and physical health, but you look at the funding in the NHS, and we all know that um, I don't know how much is spent on mental health, but it is a fraction on physical health. If you had a pot of taxpayers' gold that you could invest in mental health facilities, what would you be advising Matt Hancock, the health secretary, to do with it? Well, from my Caribbean island, um, <laughs> I would be telling him to invest much more in mental health. It does need much more investment. Our physical health is affected by our mental health. Um, and it, it doesn't seem to get the the attention that it that it deserves. Um, you know, politicians they'll be suffering from mental health, and it always makes me think inside: what are the what are these politicians going through to make you know a lot of the decisions that they make that they make? You know, when they um, the free school meals you know a lot of politicians have got kids and stuff like that and, mm. and so yeah with mental health I, I do think you have your own mental health to look after can you not look past that and think hang on this is an important subject and there's a lot of pressure on politicians so you'd think they'd be very aware of of suffering with mental health but then again the stigma comes in and the status of these politicians and they might think that it's not cool or it's not vote winner or um to to disclose the information i would personally vote for somebody that would come out and say do you know what yeah i 
suffered. I know what it's like. I am suffering. I know what it's like. Um, and I'm going to massively because, like I say, it's mental health affects our physical health. It can affect our whole life. Uh, and I mean, you, you are somebody who is a, a trained counsellor, but you've had your own issues with mental health as well, haven't you? And I think that's what's really interesting, that mm. somebody who's been there, done that, uh, can actually listen and hopefully give appropriate advice. This is going to sound quite um, conceited now. I, th- I think it makes the better counsellor. Um, my empathy valve has been opened fully um, because of the things that I've been through. And I haven't had the easiest life. I'm sure most people would would, would, would say something similar, but I haven't had the easiest life um, in a lot of things that I've done, a lot of things that I've been through. But I would never take them back. I was talking about it earlier on, something that I went through, and I'd never take it back because it's made me who I am. And it's through the accepting of that and what I've learned from it that I've become, you know, I've become at peace with, with, with things that I've gone through, things... You know things that I'm, I know I'm going to go through things in the future, and I've come, I've been through that tunnel so many times that I know that there's the light at the end. Well, loads of calls coming in. Oh three four five six zero six zero nine seven three. If you'd like to have a chat with Richard, uh, Tom is in Liverpool. Hello, Tom. Uh, hi. Uh, I'd just like to say there doesn't seem to be any help out here for me. Um. I- an example is I told my GP as I have many times she just keeps putting me on pills that don't work they patently don't work and she gave me the number for a helpline that actually you had to text them and they would text you back and that's how you would converse and try and be treated I suppose mm. now that just doesn't work I've said again and again that I've needed counselling I've had it twice and I felt a whole lot better at the end of it but I've mm. had multiple breakdowns on my life like my childhood mm. wasn't that pretty I just feel like a spare person like and I you know, like in the old days, they bred, the, in my opinion, they bred the working class to go and work in the factories. Now mm. that's not needed. So here we are, we're just a bunch of people yeah. walking around. Some, don't get me wrong, most people have perfectly happy lives, but I'm just one of the spares. And to be frank, the only reason that I haven't taken my own life as the, I was brought up Catholic, Roman Catholic, and some more sin. Richard, um, what Tom says there I think is really interesting because I wonder, I'm not casting aspersions on his GP at all, but sometimes I always think that GPs are a little bit too ready to prescribe pills rather than prescribe counselling. I get, you know, I echo what you just said. I'm not casting aspersions, but I have heard this many times. Um, Do you have access to the internet? I do, I. Yes, I do. You do. If you, I I think what would benefit you is if you look out some psychodynamic counselling. You say you didn't have the easiest childhood and they can maybe explore your childhood with you, um, go through things from your childhood. 
Um, but it seems like it's kind of echoed and 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 come up to present day. And and I I I I kind of got from you that you're feeling a bit kind of like you're left on the shelf now. He seems to have gone, I'm afraid, Richard. Um, but I, I think that is a, a, a general thing, isn't it? That that people feel that there's no one for them. And there are all sorts of helplines, and we'll be giving out the numbers of helplines uh, later. There are all sorts of mental health charities that actually can provide maybe what sometimes uh, GPs can't provide. So I, I think that's something that people need to bear in mind too. Well, we'll hear a lot more from Richard and we'll be taking more of your calls in a second. I want to sort of do so, a sort of dual track thing here because I, I think it's important to talk about the subject of mental health as well as people's own individual circumstances. Leading Britain's conversation. Ian Dale. Tweet at LBC. 18 minutes past nine on LBC. Of course, covid has be, had an, a big impact on many people's mental health, I think. And I wonder what the situation is regarding... Well, you can't really meet up for... Or you couldn't in lockdown meet up for counselling sessions. Uh, Richard Sefton is with me, uh, host of the State of Mind podcast, Mental Health Counsellor. So, Richard, during lockdown, uh, well, you were obviously still giving counselling sessions, but presumably it had to be done remotely. There was telephone counselling, video counselling, Zoom, which I wish I'd bought shares in. Um, there was, it's been used for everything, hasn't it? Um, there was lots of ways to access counselling. And I think you could actually face-to-face -face, uh, uh, clients because it was, it was classed as a, as a medical appointment. But how does it work when you see somebody over Zoom? I mean, clearly the dynamic is very different, or particularly yeah. if you're doing it over the telephone. I mean, imagine maybe for some people it's actually easier because they don't want to have the eye-to-eye -eye contact. But in other circumstances, I, I imagine it might have been quite difficult. There's been a massive rise in anxiety and social anxiety. So, yeah, telephone counselling seemed to work for a lot of people. And we're finding um, through asking um, after the sessions have finished that a lot of people pr have preferred it. Um, with the video, which I prefer out of the two mediums, um, at least I can read body language um, and we can see each other. And there's a different kind of connection there, um, which you don't get on a phone call. But like I say, some people, um, they, they prefer it and the phone is, mm. is fine. We, we can hear each other in tones of voice and stuff like that. Well, I quite like to hear people's experiences of counselling because I'm sure for many people it's a real, real benefit. 0345 6060 973. Uh, Jeremy is a new caller in Holkirk. Hello, Jeremy. Hello, Ian. How are you? Hi, not too bad, thank you. What would you like to tell us? Um, I really phoned in because I was slightly frustrated over the whole fact of Mental Health Awareness Week. Mm. Because... Um, Mental health awareness for me is um, something that pervades my entire life. Um, I have Asperger's and so I'm prone to depression and things like that. And this lockdown, this latest lockdown, at least has actually been exceptionally hard. And I, I just get frustrated that even after all this time, people haven't really gotten to grips with the fact that mental health is something that lasts all year round. And you know, um, I, I said to your, I said to your producer, um, it almost feels like Mental Health Awareness Week is almost like Mother's Day. You know, it's a blip in the ocean, and I just wish it was just so much more than that. Richard, yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, it's one of those things that I think if we had Mental Health Awareness Year. 
or you know something bigger it might water it down and i think this is just to kind of hone in and magnify it um with a view to it sort of spilling over um you know maybe drip by drip and it might not be as fast as we but as, as as we all want um but i think that's that's the benefit of having it as a week as opposed to longer but i agree i agree it's something that should be talked about year long because it's it's with us year long and i'm really sorry that you've had a, a, a tough time through lockdown I think part of the reasoning for it, Jeremy, is it, it gives particularly media organisations the opportunity to talk about it. And OK, you can say, well, we could we could have this phone in at any point during the year. And you would be right on that. But for example, Alistair Campbell, you, I mean, he's he's struggled with his mental health all through his life. He's co-hosting Good Morning Britain for three days this week. And it's all mm. about uh, mental health awareness. Now, I think that's a really good thing. And I'm not sure. I just think sometimes you you need an excuse to talk about a subject in a way that you might do a little differently. So I don't think it's a bad thing, is it? I don't think it's a bad thing at all. Um, let's put it this way. I, I think it's a very good thing. Um, but it's just a pity that things get concentrated on a particular week rather than continually mm-hmm. yeah. working their way through the media. Now, I mean, for example, I visit the BBC uh, News website every day and always there's something about mental health or something like that. And it's absolutely great, but it almost becomes mainstream. Um, And I think being mainstream is actually an extremely good thing. My employer is actually very good about this. Um, But I know most employers aren't. And I'm I'm just trying to figure out to myself, you know, how do you how do you stop um, how do you stop something like mental health being top of the news to something being, you know, a constant undercurrent that people basically Mm. accept. It's a fair point. Jeremy, thank you very much for your call. A text here from Susan saying, please can I have some advice about a pupil I support at school who's self-harming? This is something, Richard, that I've never got my head around. I cannot understand what drives somebody to self-harm. But if you're you're somebody at a school who's advising a pupil who's self-harming, what 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 are the main things that you should or shouldn't do? Um, I think with it being a pupil, um, I'm assuming that there's been kind of, uh, maybe some kind of referral um, from the from the teacher's side. Um, but I suppose in the environment, in the school environment, lots and lots of support. Um, Self harm, you know, for some people there's too there's that much pain inside. The only outlet that, that that people feel um, might help is to is to take the pain somewhere else, almost like a distraction, um, a disassociation with that pain. Um, you know, for example, when I go to the dentist, when they're doing a filling, I will squeeze my thumb into my finger to take the pain somewhere else. It's a distraction, um, and the mental anguish that's going on in my head as well, and it just takes it somewhere else. So I, I can kind of understand, and I've got friends. Uh, I would imagine most of us have friends or family that have suffered with um, self harm, suicidal thoughts, and it's a big and growing problem, um, especially you know with the pandemic, with the last year that we've had. Because you can't just say to a, a, a kid, and it, it, obviously being at school, it is a child. You can't just say, "Well, stop doing it." That 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 there has to be some mm. sort of of empathy on the part of the person who's doling out the advice even if they like me can't quite get their heads around it i would imagine uh was it susan yeah 
yeah, I would imagine that Susan is showing empathy enough enough to text into to the radio station. Um, and it's kind of, you know, we have to try our best when we're listening to somebody and I mean like really listening actively listening listening to every word that they say and trying to to get into their head we have to sort of be there with them um they need someone this 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 pupil needs someone and I'm assuming as many people pupils do these days school school age kids as well as most of the world has internet access there's lots of organizing organizations out there um, but I would say to Susan, if she if she can do some um, research around these organisations, the Samaritans, Mind, um, you know these organisations, and get and, and get the numbers to the child. Lots of schools have school counsellors now as well, which is mm. a good thing. Um, so if 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 not, then seek out maybe local counsellors. And it, it is interesting how many younger people suffer from mental health issues in a way that when I was at school it would no well even if people did suffer it wouldn't have been discussed it just wouldn't no. and and that has to be a step forward it is a step forward yeah um and it, i mean it's i would say social media sadly plays a lot in that you yeah. know you in a, in in my day we could escape the bullies at the school gate maybe and go home and forget about it and we don't just don't have that anymore um you know you can go home and you can receive a text or a tweet or a, a facebook message or something with the most vile um words and you know words can hurt so so much um, and affect us, affect us for the whole of our lives. Something that's said to us as a child can be there in, in adulthood. And sometimes, you know, to bring it back to counselling, as an adult, we can sort out that by going back to your childhood and, and something that may have affected you really early on might still be affecting your life now at any age. So, you know, go and seek out counselling, whatever your age. But if you can start as early on as possible, then brilliant. And like you say, the fact that the stigma seems to be a bit less and the talk seems to be a bit less and that schools do a lot around Mental Health Awareness Week um, right. is a brilliant thing. Right, let's go to Danny, who's in Tower Hamlets. Hello, Danny. Yeah, hi. Hi, what would you like to say? Hi, Danny. Um, yeah, so I'm in my early 30s and um, I've got a very good job. A uh, very successful life, lots of friends and family, um, but I can't just sort of shake off this feeling of I don't really um, understand basically the point in life and whether I can be bothered to continue, um, which I know probably sounds a bit odd, but um, there's, mm. there's stuff I I want to look forward to. You know, I, I want to have a family, um, but at the same time. I can't shake off this feeling of whether I can actually just be bothered to carry on. Is this something that's affected you for quite a while? Um, I think it has um, probably for quite a few years. And I feel like with COVID, um, the last year has sort of probably just sort of made it worse. Um, and now it's all sort of really at the forefront of my mind, whereas sort of prior to that, I think I've kind of pushed it back. I've, I've been on antidepressants before, um, yeah. and I think it's just sort of popped up again. What do you do for fun? Well, I mainly go out, <laughs> um, to be quite honest. So that's, you know, eating out, um, just sort of gen generally going out, going on holiday, all the things that basically we're not allowed to do, which I think is what's made it worse. Yeah. Mm. 
yeah that's what i was thinking um might be a catalyst and it's a catalyst for a massive um range of things at the minute because the things that we enjoy you know even if it's going to take a swim we've not been able to do um exercises I think crucial to our mental health and looking out, out uh, after it. Um, every year, uh, Mental Health Awareness Week has a different theme. This this year, it's uh, nature. Um, do you get out enough in nature? I don't know Victoria Parks down the road, or um, you know that uh, sort yes. of thing. I mean, I mean, I I am sort of now starting to sort of. I've got a dog, so I walk the dog quite a lot, and I think I do mm-hmm. find it quite nice to just sort of get out for thirty minutes on my own, clear my head. And when you get those intrusive thoughts coming through and and they're sort of all consuming and stuff, do you punish yourself? Uh, no, I, I, don't, I don't sort of punish myself in any way. Um, I mean, sort of like, do you do you feel down on yourself for getting these thoughts? Because they're very, I suppose, normal thoughts. Um, and as I said, with the lockdown and stuff, you've not been able to do the things that you enjoy, the things that bring your life um make it a little bit more rich yeah i mean i do obviously I, I find it quite odd that i feel this way when for a lot of people um looking at me you think like you've got the world so why why are you feeling that way um and this is the then, problem that i found with a lot a lot of people sorry the, the, yeah so yeah so it's, um, just, it's really hard I, I think comparison's quite a dangerous thing um you know we look at other people and we think oh they've got they've got the world or we look at ourselves and think we've got the world what what have i got what have i got to feel and and that's when the punishment comes in like i was saying that's when we look at ourselves and 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 sometimes think i've got no right to be feeling like this i've got a good relationship a good job a good this a good that it has to be everything and what i would say is don't be so down on yourself if these thoughts come in. They're natural thoughts and not everyone has to be perfect. Do you um do you have any pressure on you to 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 keep up the act and, and be um living the perfect life? Um I think I do sort of feel a bit of pressure just from the people around me, not sort of anyone specifically putting pressure on me, but I probably more um putting the pressure on myself to just sort of um try and sort of keep it up and be the best person I can. Um, and at the same time, like I've, I've gone through quite a few things and like I, I feel a bit of pressure not to let anyone else down. I think, I think that's a really common thing, isn't it, Richard? That um, mm-hmm. I think Danny's feeling there is something that many, many people feel, particularly I think if you have family responsibilities, you, you, you do feel a, a responsibility. If you're the main breadwinner in the family, um, mm-hmm. you, you've got that pressure. But of course, given what Boris Johnson announced today, in terms of going out, in terms of uh, enjoying yourself, well, that we can start doing that from next week, a lot more than we can now. So there is every reason to be optimistic but sometimes it's difficult to feel that way um let me give you a couple of the helpline numbers the samaritans can be called for free 24 hours a day uh, 365 days a year they're on 116123 and mind the mental health charity they can be reached on 0300 123 3393 that's 9 a.m to 6 p.m monday to friday i'll give out those numbers again before the end of the hour uh, richard sefton with me until 10 o'clock taking your calls we're talking about mental health awareness week ian dale on lbc it's 9 38 a lovely tweet here from a mental health charity called if you care share but it's if you want to look it up on twitter it's a you not a 
Y-O-U, if you see what I mean. Uh, great to hear Ian and guests talking so openly about Mental Health Awareness Week on LBC. We were privileged to receive funding from Global's Make Some Noise to work closely with young people and support those at risk of suicide. And um, the, the history of their charity is quite interesting. Um, their chief executive has uh, posted this. If you care, share was started after a young man called Daniel took his own life in 2005. Since then, we've supported thousands of people with the aim of preventing suicide and stopping suicide and stopping anyone feeling how we felt when we lost Daniel and um, they're, they're based in the northeast and I think that's that's one of the interesting things Richard is it, we all know about the Samaritans we all know about Mind but there are lots of local mental health charities which are set up often in response to a tragic I- event um, so mm-hmm. it, wherever you live in the country there is someone out there um, that, that is able to help. I was just going to say, actually, to Tom, Jeremy, Danny and Susan, don't be scared of taking that step and looking for use Google. If you you need to use Google, you will find somebody to speak to. And if you've tried counselling before, I get told a lot, oh, I've tried counselling. It didn't work for me. I didn't get on with the counsellor. The counsellor didn't seem to like me. I've heard all of these things. Look for another counsellor. No counsellor worth their salt is going to be insulted by you saying that because it has to be the right match for you. Right, Richard Sefton is with me, the host of the State of Mind podcast. Let's go to David in Kingsbury. Hello, David. Hello, Ian and Richard. Hi. Now, Hi. If, if you want, hello. If you want talking about mental health all the time, you very rarely hear them mention agoraphobia, which is a shame because it's you know quite prevalent, mm. and I don't think enough people understand it either. Because mm. firstly, people don't even know what it is, as in, you know, you're locked in your house. You're not actually locked in your house. It's that you can go out most of the time. I'm saying to really severe people that can't go out. But uh, you don't like places where it's hard to go, um, hard to escape from, like, like in a cinema or theatre or something, or hard to get home. So if you're stuck in town and it's hard to get the transport back home, you'd rather not go there. It's also crowds is, is another thing. And people constantly say, oh, go and force yourself, try and make, make more of an effort. You know, if, if, if you mm. have some sort of broken leg or something, force yourself to walk. It, it's, it's a very physical... It's about the worst thing, thing that anyone could say. It's like saying to somebody yeah. who suffers from depression, oh, just snap out of it. I mean, it's exactly. the worst thing you can say, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. But, it's a very physical... And yet it does get said. Thing. Yeah. And, and have you had? Um, I'm not sure. Is treatment the right word? Have you? Have you? Have yes, you talk, yeah? oh, definitely. Yeah, I, I I had it in my mid twenties, which is over thirty years ago now. And you know, I had a very nice psychiatrist, and you know, rather than treating me directly, she says, "Well, try this, try that, and try the other." As in hypnotherapy, counselling. The only thing I learnt from that was that my friends should understand me because if I can't do something. I'm not rejecting them. Just tell them, you know, I can't do this, that or the other, but I can do everything else. And, you know, we'll just just work around it. But um, in the end, you know, I felt exactly the same. So she said, all right, well, you you tried all the talking treatments. Let's let's try some tablets. And they they did the trick. They didn't get rid of Mm. it, but they they covered like 80% of the symptoms for a long time. So it was very, very much a chemical thing because a panic attack... You'll, you'll get basically all the same symptoms as if you're actually quite ill. 
and you mm. can't really tell the difference. I mean, for example, once I, I was in a post office and I felt very weak and wobbly. I thought, oh, it's another panic attack. And the next day I had chicken pox. <laughs> it really <laughs> is impossible to tell the difference because, you know, some, sometimes you genuinely think you're coming down with something and you're not. And then the one day when you when you yeah. are in a situation that pushes you and you really are coming down with something. So it's a pretty nasty thing to carry around, but you're fine if you're not being pressurised. David, thank you very much mm-hmm. indeed for calling in. Richard, that's interesting, isn't it? Because me- mental health issues come in many different forms. And um, I mean, mm-hmm. we all know about depression. We all know we all know about suicidal tendencies. But there are all sorts of different aspects to mental health, aren't there? Which probably don't get talked about very, very much, as David says, with agoraphobia. There's, there's, there's a multitude, uh, you know, uh, we talk about the spectrum normally to do with autism and stuff like that. There's a whole spectrum of, of, of mental health um, issues and it, you never know what somebody's going through on that day, in that hour. So, I mean, the overall message that, you know, hashtag be kind, be kind, smile at a stranger. Um, we never know what someone's going through and be, be um, more patient with people, you know, say if you get on a bus and there's someone in front of you and they they're struggling for example be patient you know you've got you've got 30 seconds i think i think the world could be could do with being a bit more kinder oh let's have a group hug uh anna yeah. anna, <laughs> anna is in Womborn in staffordshire hello anna hi hi and hi richard hello hi anna Hi, I just, um, yeah, completely with you. Let's all have a hug. I'm definitely up for that. <laughs> it's been long well, enough. We, yeah, we, we, have, we have to wait till next Monday, though, Anna, Monday. If, if you yeah. don't mind. I'll set a timer. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So um, I, I thought I'd share kind of my experience, really, um, talking about counselling and the face-to-face versus telephone um, and Zoom, etc. Um, <laughs> I have uh, had issues with my mental health over the last, probably about the last 10 years, but I mean, in all honesty, probably most of my life. Um, but I was having face-to-face counselling probably about three years ago it started um, and um, I haven't actually ever been um, medicated but it's always been for me I've been lucky I've managed to persuade my GP to take me down the counselling route Um, and it did always work really well for me. Um, The pandemic posed a real challenge because my counselling did move to entirely remote um, and there just wasn't the same connection. Um, It proved quite tricky actually to make that connection and to really open up and maintain that um, and the other element for me was having two young children so at the time at the start of lockdown a five-year-old and a two-year-old um, and a full-time job <laughs> so um, it proved really difficult to actually find that time away from um, work or children because I haven't been furloughed I'm, I'm, I work for a healthcare company actually who funnily enough deal with mental health um, but we have never Never been kind of away from the office as it were even though we've been working remotely and mm. that's proved a real challenge to actually find the time for the the, the self-care that I've really needed um, mm. and that's from counselling perspective but also that that literally brain space to depressurise from the pressures of work and the pressures of home so it, it yeah it's proved exactly. really difficult it's important the, to give ourselves that time Sorry, mm, Anna. Mm. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think that's something that 
that if anything, this this might sound ridiculous, but even the counselling appointment itself, um, when it was face to face, you know, the half an hour drive there, the sit down, have a cup of tea with someone who was lovely and mm-hmm. really understood and I could really connect with, and then the half an hour, you know, drive back, depressurise and and all of that really kind of um, helped, and that's something that I've really missed. So I'm really looking forward to getting back to that face to face counselling. Touch wood that starts again soon. I hope so for you. It's important to give ourselves that time. That time was your time. Um, and, and I suppose that's different when you're not there. Like you say, you've got the kids and you've got work and you've got added pressures and you're in an environment that's maybe associated with those pressures. Um, I mean, maybe you could, like I said earlier, get out in nature uh, if you've got a garden or a park nearby and just give yourself maybe an hour a week until you can get that time back with the counsellor. Go and make that time. Give yourself that time because you deserve it. We deserve it. Anna, thank you very much. Uh, those numbers again, the Samaritans, 116123 and MIND, 0300 123 You're listening to LBC with me, Ian Dale, and Richard Sefton. This is LBC with Ian Dale. Call 0345 6060 973. 9.51, a couple of parish notices. John McDonnell will be with me for an hour taking your calls on LBC tomorrow night from 9. Uh, the Prime Minister's podcast, new edition out today. Uh, we talk about the Marquis of Salisbury and a second edition in three days of the For The Many podcast. We treat you well, don't we? Um, I know Richard is an avid listener. Um, Richard Sefton is host of the uh, State of Mind podcast. Richard, just before we go to another call, um, one of the interviews you've done on your podcast is with uh, Mark Ward, who who is a haemophiliac and was infected in the blood scandal back in the 1980s. And a two-hour-long podcast, mm. which most people think was far too long, but it, it's absolutely gripping, isn't it? It had an amazing story to tell. And the, and the challenges that he's had, not just with his physical health, but his mental health too, something to behold. He is the, one of the most amazing people I've ever met. I know he's listening, so hi, Mark. Hi, Richard. Um, and it, 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 his story, um, I, I felt it very necessary and very extremely needed on that podcast to just sit back, take mm. a back seat and let him talk. See, and I, I thought after I listened to it, I should invite him on my show. And then I thought, well, I'll never be able to have as good a conversation as you had with him. So I would encourage everyone to listen to that on your podcast. Now, um, let's t- take a text from Hazel, who says, thanks for the great show. I've had an issue for a while where I don't like people coming to my home or garden. I clean and tidy obsessively before people arrive and feel panicked, but I'm usually fine and calm down after they've arrived. I also get worried going out, even just going out for a walk i worry about bumping into people i know i don't understand and it seems to have got worse since lockdown do you have any tips yeah there's been massive increase in this during lockdown social anxiety and 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 dealing with other people being there with other people i mean it's important to have a support network and and people close to us but one thing that i that i would suggest if you want to go out and you really don't feel like going and it's stopping you going out the thought of seeing people or speaking to people is to um pop in some earphones pop on some headphones even if you're not listening to anything um if you think that getting out will improve your mental health but you really don't feel like getting out that's a good way of walking down the street and you don't have to make eye contact with people you don't have to speak to people people are less likely to speak to you because you've got the earphones in if they do you can just ignore them it's not a long-term solution but it'll get you out there you might get run over though well, don't listen to music then. Just have them in as a sort of visual. Have LBC on. That's that's what you need to do. Uh, Jeb yeah. is in Islington. Hello, Jeb. 
Hello, thank you. I've, I've rung up here a few... Thank you for having me, guys. I've rung up here a few times, and I use my middle name, Daniel, but I think if I'm going to talk about mental health, I've got to use my first name. So, yeah, I'm Jeb. And uh, it's just... It's, it's just been such a struggle for years. It's just been a real struggle for years. I got into a... Started, just real bad anxiety. Started smoking cannabis at 13. And, mm. you know, just... And then, you know, left school and then started drinking and then ended up in rehabs and and then I, I stop everything and I'm just petrified. I just don't know what to do. I've had counselling. I'm going, I'm on antidepressants. I'm just going around in circles. And if I'm totally sorry honest, to sometimes I'll just fly off. I'm so sorry to hear that, Jeb. Um, I'll speak to you now, obviously, and then at the end of the call, if you give them your details, um, maybe we can we can talk after the show. But have you tried um, AA or NA? Yes, and I'm going to get back into it. I started doing the secular AA because I found the god bit of it. <laughs> yeah, I've got to do it again. And, and today I phoned up the the, Beth, the it's a service in Islington called Better Lives, and they're brilliant. Yeah. It's the drug and alcohol workers, yeah. and I phoned them up today. Has made well, an appointment I, to see them on uh, Wednesday again, because I started drinking again this morning and I just can't see them. Try not to be too hard on yourself. Um, with AA or NA, I suppose it's been really hard the, the, the again through the lockdown because you've not been able to face to face with people. Earlier on, mentioned uh, self harm and. Uh, like my self-harm is drinking. I, I won't cut myself or anything like that, but mm-hmm. my, that is my self-harm. Mm-hmm. And I crucify myself. <laughs> I just can't do it anymore. Please don't be hard on yourself. It sounds like you're listening to your body. Um, you're in touch with where you are, and that's a start. Um, like I say, don't, don't like you say, crucify yourself. Um did you get the Samaritan's number? Yes, I got the Samaritan's number, yeah. It's what hap- what happens, Richard, is like I'll get all right for a couple of weeks, you know, I'll get mm-hmm. clean and sober and I think and then I get all embarrassed about feeling so vulnerable. Do you know what I mean? I'll, I'll be all right for a while, then I'll start getting angry and then I think I'm all right and then, you know, I turn up to things and then, then I'm back in back in that cycle again. So you're 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 shouting at yourself from the inside. Be be this Mister Perfect. Be this person that's not me. Um, it sounds like you're 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 trying to be the person that society wants you to be, rather than the person that you are. Jeb, we're get, we're going to leave it there because I just want to quickly fit in Una in Dalston. Una, we've only got a couple of minutes left, I'm afraid, but I'm really keen to get you on the air. What would you like to say? Hi, um, yeah, great show, and um, the, it's lovely to have a man there because I think a lot of men really struggle with um, talking about their mental health, so delighted to hear him with you. Um, yeah, I've suffered from um, anxiety and an eating disorder, and I suppose I feel like mental health is like, it's like a negative voice in your head. It's... Um, an inability to cope with or accept life. And um, I was always wondering why I was different, why I suffered from panic attacks, why I had an eating disorder, why I struggled, you know, always anxious, and my friends weren't. And I thought, I'm going to do a family tree and just find out. 
So I found out that my grandparents on my mother's side were quite old. My grandfather was 65 and my grandmother was 44, having my mother. And then on my dad's side, um, my grandfather was 45 and my grandmother was 34. And I do believe that there's a genetic um, part to all mental health. And um, I don't think there's enough talk about prevention, you know, controlling the controllables, like trying to have children, if we can, younger. And also our nutrition, you know, getting the parents, if they're trying to have a child, getting them to have optimum nutrition, Mm. you know, trying to do as much as we can. Una, I I said we only had two minutes left. I'm sorry, but we have reached the end of the programme. Thank you. You made some really, really good points there. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, Richard Sefton, thanks to you. And also, if you want to listen to Richard's podcast, it's called State of Mind. Let's just finish off with a text from Callum. Thank you for this hour. I'm currently, currently coming through a bad patch and listening to you, your guests and callers really helps. The waves of dark periods can be relentless, but I'm thankful for this current reprieve and the normalisation this hour, letting people talk about mental health. Let's me and maybe other people know when not alone thank you and keep up the good work well you are not alone Callum and that's probably the most important thing that anyone said in this hour so far